Yes. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> well, because I, I. <laughs> Welcome back. In this episode of Going Virtual with the Notorious Pedagogues, we are going to discuss some tech tools that we use in our own classrooms that you might want to think about using in your classroom. It just seemed at the end of episode two that we really jumped to the pragmatic, like how are we going to be really enacting going virtual in our pedagogy, in our meeting, in our advising, and one of the things we've been hearing from our colleagues from our university is the focus on video conferencing, in particular on Zoom. And we know that is a tool we're going to be using a lot. We're actually, uh, Dr. Schmidt and I are using that right now to record our podcast and see each other while we're in different locations. But we wanted to look at other tools that we're immediately thinking of that we're going to be using in our own teaching and in our own advising. Yes. So I think that um, one of the things that we've use successfully and can um, provide a faculty member with engagement of all the students um, is Flipgrid. And I think that they're short videos. You can pose a question. We typically have our students, um, like actually before the break, their assignment was to use Flipgrid and give us a one and a half minute summary of the lesson plan topic or theme they were thinking about because their lesson plans were supposed to be due this coming week. Um, mm. So what I love... About and that's now got to be adjusted. <clears throat> right. Everything has to be adjusted. Um, but what I like about Flipgrid is that not only do we see it, but the way that it sets up from a student view is that they can see one another's. So I've had students do it for book talks, for sort of summarizing, you know, what are you considering for your multi-genre research project? Um, and so then they can watch one another's to see, you know, what is the rest of the class doing? Um, does anyone have a topic that's similar to mine or adjacent to mine that, you know, maybe when it comes to the multi-genre research, we can collaborate and collect some of our research together. Um, for our students, I think we've suggested watching the videos when it comes to lesson planning so that if two people are trying to create a lesson that focuses on characterization or vocabulary or identifying um, plot elements that by nature of the topic of the lesson plan, they might be able to work together. So I, I really like Flipgrid. I know we've used it several times. I've used it on my own. Um, I know other professors have used it as well. And um, I think in terms of student engagement, um, that can be a really powerful tool and an easy one. So that's why I, I wanted to start off with something that I know is, is, is a pretty easy, accessible tool. And I think you were the one who first taught me about using Flipgrid, right? Uh, and integrating it into our classes. We've done it for a couple of years. Um, and it, it has a time... It, it, you can't do a very long video. Right. Is that right? You can pay it's for, limiting. yeah, you can pay for more, which we always tell our students don't. Um, so you get anywhere from a 30 second video to a minute and a half, I think, which I think is fine. 
And we'll put links to to this and to the other ones. Yeah. In the no, in the notes as well. One that another tool for brainstorming wise that has uh, been recommended to us and we've used as well is Padlet. Mm-hmm. I don't know it as well as I think you do, Doctor Schmidt, but uh, Padlet is essentially the way I think of it and the way I present it to students. It's kind of like a virtual bulletin board. It allows you to put like words and phrases. Uh, you can put links in there and you can collaborate. You can have multiple people using and posting to that Padlet or that virtual bulletin board at the same time. That's right, right? Yes. And so for me, I've used it when um, in terms of a reading response, you know, pull out some of your favorite quotes, put them onto this bulletin board, um, and then I can pull that up on the smart board or presentation board in whatever classroom I'm in. And we can just talk through, you know, who, who picked this quote, why, you know, did anyone else have that? Um, and so it's a way for students, uh, to sort of document their reading and experiences with the reading. And then it almost shapes the post reading discussion based on what they've identified as important aspects or, you know, whether it's aspects about the character or something that the character says or just a, a quote from the narration of the story. Um, and that really drives my instruction then when I'm deconstructing a text with my pre-service teachers. And what's interesting is whenever we say or mention Padlet these days, I see more and more students nodding their heads. So it seems that this is becoming more accessible or more used, mm-hmm. at least in their higher education classes, right? Yeah, I, th- I think um, so. It's not, it's not a huge – when you say it, people are like, oh, okay, yeah, we use that in you know, this term or this semester. So those first two tools, I think, focus on our students and what our students might be able to do, right? Um, Flipgrid is student responses. Padlet is, you know, students placing items onto the virtual bulletin board. Um, But I think some faculty are also um, thinking about how will I present, you know, I typically do PowerPoints or Google Slides with my students. Um, And I think one of the ways that we can sort of elevate those modes of presentation would be to use Adobe Spark and or Microsoft Sway, um, both available to us on our, our office um, package that we have, right? The Office 365 yeah, through the university. Because Sway is Microsoft and that's part of Office 365. Yeah, and then and, Adobe. Um, uh, Adobe Spark yeah. is, I think they've got a free version, but but I've never run into a point where you couldn't use it beyond right. the free version. Right. Um, so I think for us, I mean, that might be something that we're even going to try out um, in terms of alternate to PowerPoint or Google Slides, um, really interactive, sort of fluid sense of presenting. And I think um, there's ways to embed multimedia into those presentations. And I think you know, again, how are we engaging our students and what are the things that we're going to be doing synchronously and asynchronously? Um, I think it just gives you a lot of options. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think 
uh, you went exactly where my brain was going to go as far as looking at things synchronously versus asynchronously, right? There are some things that it just makes more sense to do them mm -hmm. synchronously right at the same time. And in that case, it does seem like if you're mapping, even though I know this is very hard, what moving into the virtual world just straight from the physical face-to-face -face classroom, in some cases, we'd have to just teach content. We just have to approach and, and get a couple of concepts or definitions or some ideas across. And in the classroom, we would have a PowerPoint, we'd have a Prezi, we'd have a Google mm -hmm. Slides. Uh, and in this scenario where we're moving into the virtual realm, it may be that that needs to happen in a synchronous format. But it also may be the case that some of that information can actually be presented asynchronously. Mm -hmm. And in that case, that's where I think we would really look at something like a Sway or an Adobe Spark because it can be done and completed more asynchronously. You can also, for example, include more multimedia mm -hmm. in, in Sway and Adobe Spark, whereas PowerPoint and, and Google Slides are pretty much going to be point and click right. as we go through. But that gets to uh, your job, our role as teachers. Like what's the best way to go about presenting and engaging with this material? Right. Exactly. Yeah. So what's fun for us in our course, um, technology in the English classroom, is that we actually have our students follow a hashtag that we created that is just our course name and number, WRH325. So if you were to go to Twitter and, you know, put in that hashtag, you would see a few semesters worth, if you scroll far enough back, um, our students asking questions, participating in conversations, um, thinking through different course topics. And so this move to the virtual and remote teaching isn't going to change that aspect of our class. We're still going to have them interact on Twitter. And so right before the break, we went through, I compiled a list of organizations and people and hashtags that as pre-service secondary English teachers, they should be following. So we already shared that information with them. Um, and for the most part, they're all people that I already follow. And so that's what prompted me as I was, you know, scrolling through and seeing different people reaching out and, you know, here, let me, you know, Kelly Gallagher is sharing, you know, here are some lessons that I'm doing with my students and other people have followed suit and said, well, here are some lessons. And, um, Jarrett Lerner is going to do some, um, He's a visual artist, so he's going to be doing some sketching lessons tomorrow, you know. So it's really kind of cool how some teachers are just literally taking their classes online um, or they're not their classes, but they're they're literally taking their teaching online. Right. And they're just sharing that with them. Um, and so I think that's the power of social media in terms of staying connected to your students. So I think you can easily, if you're not already on Twitter as an educator, um, you know, I know it, it can be a pretty crazy social media site um, because everybody is on it. But if you just kind of focus who you're following um, to, you know, what we affectionately call teacher Twitter, um, you will see people having serious, you know, slow chats or, you know, timed, you know, in real time chats. Um, and so I think it's really easy to make a hashtag using your course name and number and 
that can be sort of an asynchronous piece of your class puzzle, you know, where maybe you post questions or allow students to post questions or even answer one another and just stay connected, right? I think the most fascinating thing for me has been watching social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram too, as connections among faculty members and colleagues. It's been interesting because, as you mentioned earlier, the closing of universities has happened about a week or about a half a week before all of the schools, the K-12 schools. So it's been a lot of faculty members sharing and posting resources on uh, Facebook is the one that I'm, I'm thinking of the most right now, but Twitter as well. And it has struck me how in this instance, social media, and by social media, I'm thinking Twitter, I'm thinking Facebook, I'm thinking Instagram, can be used in a manner to help bring us together and help us connect in such a way uh, that can mitigate some of the challenges that there are so many people who are being self-quarantined or who are working from home or because of schools being closed or childcare or whatnot are cannot be in the physical, the same physical space together. And I think that's one of the most powerful things about uh, uh, social media. The story that I like to tell, um, for those who don't know, Dr. Schmidt is extremely active on, on Twitter, more active than I am. But the story that I like to tell people who are hesitant about using Twitter is in the, in the first years, the first months of Twitter being um, becoming popular on a national scale, it was used to communicate with people who were victims of the fire, fire, the, the, the fires in California. This is from back in 2007, 2008, before wildfires were as more common as they seem to be right now. But Twitter, when it first entered the scene, was used and was more reliable uh, with connecting people with uh, support services, such as such as firefighters. And I like to remind people of that, that, you know, you can post cat videos and you can post funny memes and you can get in very terse and inappropriate arguments with people on Twitter, but it can also be used in other ways and in other manners. And this is one of those things. I think we need to be really aware as we move in our last episode, we were talking about supporting and, and taking care of our students. We have to be aware that we can't rely on the fact that we, in, in a face-to-face -face world, we went to classes and we knew we were going to see our students every Tuesday night from 4 to 7. We need to be, we can't rely on that anymore. We have to be purposeful about our engagement with our students. And that may mean opening up ourselves to looking at other tools like social media to let our students in to our lives a little bit more and to communicate with them a little bit more. And that may mean opening ourselves up to connecting outside of the traditional four to seven time frame. Like I know you and I are planning to meet with students during our normally scheduled time, uh, which is Tuesdays, the 410 or excuse me, 425 to 710 slot. Right. And we're going to be meeting with them synchronously, at least for a good chunk of that time for the remainder of the term. But we're also going to be looking at how we can use other technologies to build up our presence 
our social presence, our being as teachers, and also encourage our students to do the same because we have our students do lots of group work, especially in this time of the term. Right. They've got, my goodness, one, two, at least three more assignments that they need to complete as groups. So we're going to be working with our students. And one of those options is looking at how to use social media to, to get them connected right. and keep them connected with each other. So because our class is so collaborative, one of the tools that we've used for years now um, is the Google platform, Google Docs, Google Forms, um, and that allows for um, synchronous and asynchronous editing at the same time, collaboration. Um, For us, it helps us get a roadmap and a sense of in a group of four people, who's doing what? We can we can take a look at that, if that's important for that ac- access and equity. Um, you know who's who's doing the work, um, and I think Google Forms we've used to take our students' temperatures on different activities, and we've done Likert scale one to five. We've done short answer, and then. What's cool about the Google form is that we can both see it and then we can also, you know, reflect on the feedback from our students. It's meaningful and it's in real time. It's not something we have to wait until, you know, like our Ceris, we don't have to wait until next semester to get the feedback from this semester and and then make changes. We can, you know, almost pivot mid-semester sometimes based on feedback about what students are saying they need or that they're lacking, and and we can sort of ramp up different aspects of our course. I think any way we can encourage other any other of our colleagues or uh, students to engage in any kind of synchronous tools. So that's that's the the benefit of Google Drive and, and using Google Forms or Google Docs and Google Sheets, where you can share and work together at the same time. Padlet is another one of those, right? That'll mm-hmm. um, allow you to work synchronously with other people. Uh, we're going to be recommended or we're going to be um, urged to use Office 365, which is a version, another same sort of idea with using uh, like the same idea of Google and Google Drive. It just works over in Microsoft. Any of these tools, I think we should be really looking at because they are web focused and they are synchronous, synchronized. Um, I will admit that Google is a bit stronger on this front than Microsoft is, but they're, they're catching up. But at our university, we are a Microsoft Office 365 university, other universities or schools may be uh, Google Mm -hmm. universities using Google Classroom. You've got to figure out whatever tools you have available to you. Uh, If you're more comfortable using the Office 365, then jump on and look at those online and how you can be using those. We've been talking in our department in like a departmental chain about using Microsoft Teams, looking at OneNote to to share notes and to share uh, those sorts of files with students. I think you've got to go with what you know and what is accessible to you and your um, and to to your university or to your school. Mm-hmm. And of course, the one tool in particular that we're all being pushed towards to look at, especially for synchronous work, is any kind of video conferencing. So the one that I've we've been pushed towards is Zoom because our university that's what we use. I've been seeing lots of posts from other colleagues about how to use Zoom. So it seems that Zoom is taking up this marketplace, but. 
in the olden days, we would use Blackboard Collaborate. Some folks who use Google Classroom are using Google Hangouts or mm -hmm. Google Meet. Any kind of software, web-based software, that will allow you to meet in a group with up to a large number of people from, you know, just one or two to up to, I think, 300 or, you know. This is where we're moving, at least for the next couple of weeks, when we need to get into the same space and where we can see each other and hear each other's voices. Uh, I think this is such an important topic. We should really talk about this in our next conversation okay. and do a deeper dive on this. Uh, but that is where it's it's it seems like that's becoming a new standard for us is being able to use that uh, as teachers and as instructors. Thank you for joining us for this third episode of. Uh, our special series on going virtual for Notorious Pedagogues. We focused and we tried to discuss a number of tech tools that we can use in our classrooms, ones that we're using or planning on using that may not be at the top of our minds when we're thinking about going virtual and moving our classes online. And I know that the next conversation we're going to have is going to be focused on Zoom and other video-based synchronous tools that we can use to maintain that social presence and that synchronous presence with our students.